Falling in love is relatively easy, but how do we sustain love? How do we sustain it in such a way that it grows and in fact gets stronger as time passes on? So strong in fact and deeper in fact that it's able to endure hardship and attacks. Everybody has advice today. And you know that people have all kinds of advice regarding relationships. And whether it's employment or career or even issues of marriage. I remember when Lamita and I were betrothed and announced that we were going to get married, people had all kinds of advice for us. Most of her girlfriends were telling her, uh-uh, girl, don't do that, mm-mm. <laughs> I received a piece of advice that has stuck with me over the years, and it came from a gentleman who'd been married for many years, and he said, look, Larry, whatever it is that you did to get Lamita, you need to continue to keep her. So whatever you did during your courtship to get her is what you need to continue to keep her. Hmm. In his letter to these new converts in Colossae, Paul commends them. They're off to a great start in their new life as Christians, but he, he doesn't want that fervor to diminish. He doesn't want it to be smothered or extinguished by false teaching. He wants them to continue the way that they started, with who they started. In this passage that we have the privilege of perusing this morning, Paul warns these new Christians not to be taken in by deceptive arguments, false claims that are so attractive but are merely tricks. They sound good, but they're not true. See, the things that were pushing against their faith was arguments that spiritual growth is achieved solely by self-denial and solely by legalism and by visions and by other practices. And this stuff looks good to outside observers, but None of these things are the real source of their spiritual power, nor of their spiritual growth. Paul emphasizes the way of Christ accomplishes everything, that we're justified by God. And as a result, he wants to encourage them not to pursue the shadows or any of these false claims. I invite you, if you would, please, to turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians. This is chapter 2, and we're going to look at just two verses this morning, verses 6 and 7. If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, we have them in the seat backs in front of you. It's page 984, and we'll take a moment so that everyone can look at this passage this morning. Page 984. Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. And while they are yet two verses, for the next three and a half hours, we are going to explore the... Okay, fine. 
I just have three points this morning, and I won't keep you long. Let's look at the text. This is verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. My goodness, there is so much theology in just that verse. Our first point is simply this, grounded. How do we grow? You stay grounded. Today, when we hear the phrase, receive Jesus, it generally speaks to that point in time in which someone came to saving faith. But here, Paul is actually unveiling the doctrine of Christology. You see, these new converts are grounded by their conviction and the truths that they have embraced regarding the sufficiency, the authority, the authenticity, and the deity of Jesus Christ. If we broke it up and we simply said, as you received Christ and stopped there, what does that mean? When they received Christ, they received God's image. When they received Christ, they received God's anointed. When they received Christ, they received the fullness of God's wisdom. In fact, beloved, the treasures of wisdom are hid not from us, but for us in Christ. When they received Christ, they received God's anointed. And when they received Christ, it was the fulfillment of the prophecy that was laid out in Isaiah chapter 9, where it said that the Messiah would come from Galilee, that the Messiah would come to lift their burdens and to lift their sorrows, that the Messiah would come and his name would be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting God, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When they received Christ, they received the Messiah. But there's more. It says they received Jesus. Jesus. They received the truth about Jesus. What is the truth? about Jesus of Nazareth. The truth is, he healed the sick. The truth is, Jesus cast out demons. The truth is, Jesus calmed the seas. The truth is, Jesus gave sight to the blind. The truth, Jesus raised the dead. The truth, beloved, Jesus was crucified. Truth, he was laid in the tomb. Truth about Jesus, after three days, he came out of that tomb. And he rose victorious over sin and over death and over the grave. And the same Jesus who ascended into heaven will one day return to glory. This is the truth about Jesus, and this is what they received. But they also received the Lord. Now, this really pertains to his deity. Fully man, fully God, now exalted as Lord. These are the convictions 
upon which the new converts in the little city of Colossae had settled and embraced. And Paul reminds them now that there is simply no turning back from these convictions, not now, not ever. What did they receive? They received Jesus, Yeshua, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What did they receive? Their guilt had been lifted because now they were reconciled to the holy God. They had peace with God and they had joy and now they had hope. Look again at the text. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Huh. What does that mean? Walk in him. The literal word here is how one deports themselves. How we live. 1 John 2, 6 says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. In Ephesians, this same word is used over seven times, and it says, in which you once walked, following the, the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, showing us there's a wrong way to walk. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I urge you, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called. Now this I say to you, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Scripture here and what Paul is saying to the Colossians in now that they've received Jesus, that they've received the Lord, that they've received Christ, that they need to maintain a lifestyle that is patterned after Jesus. He's talking about daily conduct. He's talking about ethical behavior at work, at play, at school. I can't linger here this morning but this reminds us more than anything else that just because things are legal does not mean that they're ethical and does not mean that they're biblically right conduct. God's word is our standard. Just because we can doesn't mean that we should. I'm old enough to remember when we only had four channels on television. That's right. And there was a time when TV went off. It would say, 
This concludes our broadcast day. <laughs> then the national anthem would play, and then there'd be that And that was it. Television went off. Now it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days, 700 channels playing the same things over and over and over again. Just because we can doesn't mean we should. Just because it's available 24 hours does not mean that you should have it on. Like I say, we can't linger here. But he's saying that we should walk conducting ourselves, patterning ourselves in the way that Jesus did. That's what our lifestyle should look like. This is how we are grounded. When we walk in Christ, we learn the difference between responding and reacting. So much of what happens in our lives today, we are enticed to simply react without taking the time to pray, to reflect, to meditate, and to simply ask God, how would you have me respond in this instance? But when we walk with Christ, we learn the difference between reacting and responding. What is appropriate conduct for someone who claims Jesus as Lord? That's the question. What is the appropriate conduct for someone who claims Jesus as Lord. If Jesus wouldn't say it, why are you saying it? If Jesus wouldn't go there, why are you in there? If Jesus wouldn't watch it, why are you watching it? If You don't hear me. If Jesus wouldn't smoke it, why are you smoking it? If Jesus wouldn't laugh at it, why are you laughing at it? He's talking now about your daily conduct and staying grounded with Christ. Hmm. The second point, growing, rooted, built up, established. Rooted and built up in him and established in faith just as you were taught. This, this word here literally means firmly rooted. Now, at first glance, this seems to be incongruous. You, you want me to walk, but you want me to be firmly rooted. How can I do both? I, can, can, I mean, I'm walking, but am I rooted? What am I doing? He's really illustrating two things. The walking is continuous. The firmly rooted is a once-for-all planting. And what he is saying to us is that there's really no need to be replanted in any other soil. Christ is all sufficient. Beloved, nothing grows without nourishment. And Jesus is the source of our spiritual nourishment. His word, Acts 20.32, reminds us, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. 1 Peter 2, 2, the Bible is essential to spiritual growth. 
In his book, Living by the Book, Howard Hendricks says that the Bible, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. When I have the occasion to counsel with and mentor with and disciple young men, I challenge them about their Bible reading and their daily Bible reading. You need to hear me. My feet are made out of clay here as well, because one of the things that I will ask them is simply this. Do you spend as much time reading your Bible as you do watching TV? We cannot fill our minds with the poison that comes across our airways without taking the antidote. I'm not gonna stand here this morning and tell you not to go on social media or not to spend time on the internet or not to watch television, but I will challenge you, are you spending the same amount of time reading God's word, receiving the truth and the antidote as you are taking in all this other stuff? Most of the things that we have on television now that masquerade as news are not designed to inform. They are trying to influence the way that you think. There is only one way to think, and that is to align our thoughts with the Word of God. We must spend time in God's Word. If you say that you love Him, then that should be what you are doing. I don't know if there are any young ladies here today that want to get married. I'm not going to ask you to put up your hands, but let's assume that you, you do. And let's say you've met someone and he says he loves you. And he says to you, I love you so much. but I only want to see you for about 40 minutes a week. <laughs> I don't know many people who'd, who'd sign up for that. But we talk about we love God, how much we love him, and the only time we're pulling out our Bibles is when we're coming here for 35, 40 minutes a week. This is your life source, and this is the source of how you grow spiritually. This is how you fan the flame in your heart, and you simply cannot grow without spending time in God's Word. When you're beset by the vicissitudes of life, it's the Word of God that guides us and encourages us and comforts us. We know that we will face trials. We know that we will have frustrations. We know that there'll be disappointments and heartaches and pain. When children don't turn out the way that you hoped for and that you prayed, this is when God's word comes to you. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of good and not evil to give you a future and a hope. When your friends abandon you. The Lord is your shepherd. You won't be in want. 
When you're not sure about where your next paycheck is coming from, God's Word reminds us to be anxious for nothing, beloved, but by prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to God. He tells us that His mercies never come to an end, that they are new every morning, and great is His faithfulness. This is God's Word. And when we have problems, He builds His Word into our life because we can depend upon it. We find grace and sufficiency and provision and protection and comfort in God's Word. Because we are rooted in His Word, we have strength. The ability to withstand the storms of life because we are deeply rooted in Him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we can imagine or think. He is able to keep us from stumbling. And because we are rooted, we're able to bear fruit. Because we are rooted, he gives us results beyond our skills. Rooted is this once for all. This is the source of our strength. This is the source of our nourishment. This is the source of our stability. But that second part, built up, that's continuous. That's an ongoing process. The word edify actually means to, to build up, to become more and more like Jesus. The word here tells us that as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are established by God himself on a firm foundation. And now as we walk with Christ, that process of sanctification builds us up. With each challenge, we see his faithfulness. We see his sufficiency. We learn that we can trust and depend upon him. And we grow, grace upon grace. God gives us a testimony, personal and true, of his faithfulness, of his sufficiency, of his love. Point three, grateful. Grounded, growing, grateful. Thankfulness. The word here is actually that we are so thankful that we are overflowing with thankfulness. Please hear me, beloved. The moment we stop being thankful is when we become vulnerable to doubts and spiritual delusions. 
in the instant that you stop being thankful is when you become vulnerable to doubt and spiritual delusions. Because if you're no longer grateful, if you're no longer thankful, then you now have a sense of entitlement. I'm supposed to have. This is the way it should be. I've earned it. I've deserved it. I'm better than. Pride creeps in. Arrogance takes over. I no longer need to turn to God. You see, I can handle this myself. I use, need to use my resources, my wits, in order for me to accomplish my goals. The truth is, for each of us, we have what we have solely through God's grace. And we should ever and always be thankful for everything and in everything that he provides for us, for every friendship, for the clothes on our backs, for the food in the refrigerators, for the cars in the garage, for the people who love you and care about you and have poured themselves out into your life. These are gifts from God, and we should ever be thankful and grateful to him. Yet, while we were yet sinners, he saved us and redeemed us. And we should always have a heart of appreciation so that it overflows, and certainly within the body of Christ, overflowing with thankfulness. Oh, beloved, what does that look like? What does it sound like? I want you to imagine that you're going to sit down for a face-to-face -face conversation with Jesus. How would you finish this statement to demonstrate that you're overflowing with thankfulness? Jesus, I thank you for... What would you say? What would demonstrate that you're overflowing? Would it be for the portion of vitality that he measured out for you this morning? That you can walk and stand and breathe? That you have an opportunity to be a living testimony a trophy of his grace? How would your life show that thankfulness is overflowing for you? Perhaps you're going through something this morning and you're not really sure how to respond, what to do, a good place to start is to always think about what wouldn't Jesus do if the first thing that comes to you is something that's contrary to the character of Christ don't do it don't say it push the thought out and see it for what it is has your love for Christ his kingdom his people has it cooled 
Is your flame flickering? We're reminded today to stay grounded, to grow, and to be grateful. Perhaps you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I came by this morning to encourage you. God loves you. His love is real. And there isn't anything that can ever separate you from the love of God. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him will not perish but will have eternal life. We come to this point and at this time we can't save ourselves. Jesus' love meets you right where you are. If the Holy Spirit is impressing upon your heart now that you need to repent, that you have not been living right, well, praise God, because it's God that gives you that heart of repentance. All you really need do is cry out to him and say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, forgive me. The two verses that we've looked at today sum up this entire letter. Our brothers in Colossae many years ago received the truth that Jesus is Lord and that salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. Will you receive that truth today? If you need prayer, maybe you've been reacting in a way that does not please God. Our prayer partners are going to come up. We can pray with you. If you haven't been spending time in the Word, you know what? We have some Gospels of John with the 20-day challenge. If you want to get started reading the Word today, we can give you one. However it is that God has impressed upon your heart to respond, I hope that you will respond. Let's pray. Father, I've said what you would have me to say. We thank you for your word for its truth and for its power. And so many times, Lord, we, we simply don't respond the way that we should. We collectively come before you and confess our sin, that we can all do better in our walk in our growing. 
in expressing our gratitude. We want to fan the flame this morning so that our enthusiasm, our love, burns brighter than ever. So do now, Father, what only you can do. Enable, equip, encourage, convict, call, save. We'll always be quick to give you the honor, to give you the credit, to give you the glory. Now we pray in the matchless name of Jesus and amen.